Hey listener, thanks for joining us today. You're listening to Pixels and Panels, a show where we take you behind the scenes of the comic industry through conversations with your favorite creators and industry leaders. Our guest today is Boardman, one of the earliest originals creators on Webtoons. His many enthralling projects include Undead Ed, Apocalyptic Horseplay, and the currently live Blacksmith. Today, we talk about how his decision to sign up for a DeviantArt account to support a friend led to his webcomic career, why it is so important to make a comic you want to read, and some tips to work your way to becoming an Originals creator. Without further ado, here's Boardman. Hello, Boardman. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Of course. So let's start with maybe the question that most of our listeners are curious about. You look at the name Boardman. I think most people can imagine how you came up with this name, but I will ask for our listeners, how and why did you come up with the name Boardman? I guarantee you that 99% of them would be wrong to try to guess how that name came (laughs) up. Because it was a typo. Oh, really? Okay. When I came up with that name, I was only 16 years old. I didn't know almost any English. I was signing up on DeviantArt at the time. And I was looking for a screen name that would speak to what I was considering myself to be, which was a really annoying little shit. And, uh, and I didn't know enough English to understand that a bored man meant that I was bored and not boresome or annoying because the French word for bored uh, for boring, I mean, is the same as annoying or, you know, troublesome. So I was, I was convinced that my name was going to be bored boy or boring boy. And I just, I just misspelled it. Well, there you go. There's bored man. So you said you were signing up for a DeviantArt account at 16. Do you mind telling us a little bit about your story and what got you started in web comics? Uh, that's exactly what got me started, signing up on DeviantArt. I originally did it uh, to support a friend who was posting his work on DeviantArt. I wanted to leave comments and tell him how much I like what he was doing. Uh, then I realized everybody was talking in English, so I figured I better learn it. And then I realized people were posting drawings, which I didn't know was a thing back then. Uh, so I started posting my own. I've, I've been drawing since I was like five years old, and I, I was doing comics at the time, but like you know, very loose comics, like on the side of my table in high school. And I, I just thought, well, if other people are doing it, maybe I should. I didn't consider myself to be very good. I wasn't trying to show off. I just figured, you know, if that's what's, if that's what's being done out there, I'll, I'll do it too. And it took a few years to really create what I would call a readership. I don't think I had any readers until maybe 2010 or something. Uh, but that's, that's when I think my, my webcomic days really started because I, I started doing comics for people exclusively on the internet while studying comics in art school, because that's what I did after high school. So by the time I was done with art school and people asked me, what, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I, I do webcomic. I was loosely getting paid for it, not through any means that we use now like no no patreon no no coffee no anything like that, no tp no anything like that back then i had i think a, a paypal account and my readers would occasionally send me some money uh not enough to live off of just you know as a sign of appreciation which i appreciated and uh and i tried very hard to go into comics 
traditionally speaking, which is the way we do things in France, you, you make like the, the gist of your comic, a couple pages, a synopsis, um, a, um, a resume. If, I'm not sure what the word would be. The outline of the story, I guess. You would write that down, draw a couple pages, maybe a few storyboards, and then you know go door to door, show what you have to offer, and wait for people to acknowledge you. And it turned out that my web comics were getting noticed much faster than my paper comics were. So that's when the shift pretty much happened. That was that was still before webtoon, but that's that's when I thought maybe my readers are already here, and I shouldn't like lose more of my time trying to find some other ones elsewhere. Can we uh, dig into that a little bit more? I think that's super interesting. So we all grew up reading comics in the paper or physical print comics to start, and then things shifted to the internet. So here you are, a young artist who wants to be a full-time comic artist. You've started to ship or share your work with different publications. And here you're building an audience on the internet. What was that like for you? What did you learn at the time about sort of domestic production and publications of comics within France, I'm guessing at this time, versus the audience that you're building on the internet? Well, at the time, I think what really surprised me is that whatever I consider to be uh, the, the downsides of professionally doing comics, the deadlines, the pressure, the, the, the averages you need to hit, you know, the, how little should your updates be, uh, how big should they be, how, how to really keep your reader satisfied, all those things that sound complicated on paper when you're explaining your profession to someone, at the time, uh, it was exactly the opposite. It was what was keeping me motivated. Like I, I had people out there waiting for me to deliver and that galvanized me. You know, I wanted them to have more to read. I wanted them to have it on time. I wanted them to be surprised with each update. I want them to, like when, when I was doing something that was not satisfi satisfactory visually, I was like, well, then why should they bother? I'll give them something to look at. So that, that was doing the job of what an editor would do now, which is to, you know, be on my shoulder at all times and remind me, try a little harder, just don't, don't settle. So at the time, I just didn't consider it to be a profession. I thought that was my hobby. I thought, well, I do this for, for fun. That, that gives me pleasure. That gives me joy. Why would anybody pay me for this? And, and in the meantime, I was doing the opposite in what I thought was my professional uh, projects. I was doing, doing drawings that I didn't enjoy for people I didn't know, who didn't seem to appreciate it. And when I would talk to an editor about one of my projects, they would often, you know, like scoff, pick at it, maybe like point out a few flaws and then just, you know, knock the door in my face. And in one time, this uh, editor who was much nicer to me at the time, uh, look at my work and say, well, we don't have room for this in our, in our publishing house right now. But what you have is more important than that. You have readers without an editor, which at the time was un unheard of, especially in France. It's like you, you have people reading your, your, your stuff without a middleman. So you should hold on to that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be trying to please me. You should try and be trying to please them. Keep them around as long as you possibly can because they're your bread and butter. And that's when I understood like, oh, this, this is what a career should look like when you have you know, an audience that will um, be there every time instead of having to find new customers with each and every drawing. Uh, so long story short, that's, that's when I realized what I'm doing online is not a hobby. What I'm doing online is something I should monetize or at the very least try to turn into a career. At the, at the time I thought maybe I'll just print them 
I'll print those web comics I've been doing, but why bother? People are all on the internet. So there's one phrase that stood out to me when you were talking about your background, and that was, we have no room for this. Do you mind giving our listeners a sense of what that meant and why your stories may not have fit in with what some of these publications were going after? Uh, well, uh, it's a bad example because there's a lot of reason to turn down a project. A lot of them are good reasons. This particular one was a bad one. <laughs> the reason they turned me down is because my story was a mishmash of so many different tropes that it didn't look like anything. Again, I was doing it for fun. I was not trying to make something that looked like anything publishable. Uh, the comic I was doing at the time was called The Reaper. It, it was, uh, I'll, I'll give you the, the, the short version. It's, it's about this uh, ex-serial killer who's been, uh, who's been uh, trapped into an, uh, a lunatic asylum for a very long time to a point where he forgot everything about his past life. Uh, almost all of his crimes to him as just like vague memories. He's still as dangerous as he used to be. He just has no idea who he was, who he is anymore. And one night there's this uh, big kerfuffle in the asylum and all the doors open and uh, the whole place goes on lockdown and he finds himself like trapped inside the building, but free to roam the hallways and look for new victims. At first he thinks, well, you know, I'll, I'll just go with it. But as the night progresses, he starts meeting people in the asylum that know him, that recognize him, that know him from his past, and things start to come back to him. Now, that sounds uh, much darker than it is. It, it was actually just like a, a self-serving way uh, for me to draw monsters and gore. I was very much into horror movies at the time. So most of it is just violence, but there is an underlying story that actually... Uh, became much more interesting as I wrote it. So when I finished it, I figured I'll show that to editors just to show what I can do, not with the idea that they would publish it, just to show what I have to offer. And maybe they'll you know, be interested in what I have to do next. But back then, this comic was not meant to be printed. This comic was meant to be read by people who weren't even like, supposed to pay for them, just as, as, an, as a piece of entertainment, a weekly piece of entertainment. And, uh, and I did print it in the end by myself. I self-printed it. And I'm so proud of it. It's just, it was not publishable. I can tell even now it was not publishable. It was really just for my own amusement. So you've learned so much in the many years that you've been doing this. And as that editor pointed out, you're doing this without an editor. So what was it like at that time for you to learn how to do this all on your own? Uh, nerve wracking. I can, I, I can, I can, I remember very vividly those sleepless nights I spent after I basically like made a deal with myself, like, well, if this is going to be my career, I got to give it a hundred percent. So I cut back a little bit on all my freelance work, not completely, just enough. So I could dedicate enough time to start something else. And, uh, and I started, you know, really looking into that direction. And at first there was like no path. There was no one to talk to, nothing to, Nothing made sense to me. Uh, I was better at English at the time, but it was still not my, my, my mother's tongue. And comic in French online were not a thing. I mean, there were a few, but that's not what people would want to read. And that's not how you reach the wider audience. Uh, not to mention my readers, the one that already existed, were all uh, almost uh, English-speaking people. So I couldn't, I couldn't pivot at this time. So I, I just kept looking and my first instinct was I'll, I'll make a comic and I'll post it everywhere and we'll see where the traction is. We'll see what, what, what works. So at the time I started off with DeviantArt, uh, I think 
uh, I think tapas was already a thing at, the, uh, at this time. Is that how you pronounce it? Tapas or tapas? I say tapas, but... Tapas. Okay, I'll, I'll say the way you say who it. Who am I to tell you how to, how to pronounce it? You're a native English speaker. You're the person <laughs> <selling>. <laughs> So tapas uh, was already a thing. I think I posted a few things on there at the time. Uh, Tumblr was already a thing as well. Uh, Facebook also. Like I just started spreading my work. Exactly the same comic, just throughout a lot of different uh, social networks. And, and I would just waited to see what would, what would pick up first. And where, where, where did the audience start? What did you see? Uh, well, they, they started showing up in a few different places. Some of my work got reposted, which is not something I expected. Uh, I think the biggest response was on Imager at the time, which is, was not my doing, but the person who did it did credit me and link to my original page. So I really appreciated that. And, uh, and then I entered the Webtoon contest that was in uh, that was in 2014. Uh, it was called the Challenge League contest, and that's how uh, Webtoon used to call the the canvas. So they called it the Challenge League, and they wanted people from all over the world to start submitting work onto their new English platform. And to get people interested, they had a contest for it, uh, which had no no not, not not very rigorous rules. I don't remember at least. You basically just had to propose a comic and update it on a weekly basis, which is what I was doing already. So I figured it sounds easy enough. But I remember at the time I was not doing it to get a job out of it. I didn't realize they were offering jobs. I realized they were offering money as a prize, cash prizes, and that they had an audience that I could maybe reach out to. So I posted on Canvas. And by the time the, the contest had ended, I, was, uh, I did not win any position, but I was one of the honorable mentions of the contest. And I, I, I figured, well, if that's, that's a, way of them, a way for them to tell me that they like my work. So I'll just keep posting on there. Uh, I did get in touch with someone at the time to ask, like, what does that mean? Or honorable mention, did you, did you like my stuff? Did you, did you think it was okay as it was? Or I just wanted some feedback. And uh, the comic I had submitted was Undead Ed. And I kept updating and getting feedback from this person who much later, I think the next year, uh, came back to talk to me and proposed to be my editor. His name was David. And he said, we, we like your stuff. I've been, I've been suggesting it to my team for a few months. And well, they, they finally agreed to, to give me this one. So if you want, we can move Undead Ed to the featured platform. And at the time, that was not a good news for me because I was very suspicious hmm. of that whole platform i don't know how most people perceived it when it when it started but back in 2014 when i would explain what i thought it was to other people everyone told me this is a scam they want to steal your work clearly they want to steal it why would they be so accommodating and nice that's that doesn't happen on the internet that's <laughs> how you get your credit card information stolen so i i remember thinking well if they're gonna take away this from me if they're gonna steal this comic that i've been submitting that's okay it was a four panel at the time comic full of dick jokes it's it's not a big loss i'll recover i'll 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 try you know i'll i'll throw the i'll roll the dice and then they offered me a contract which again i was very suspicious of i had it read i, I submitted it to a bunch of people so they could get some feedback on it i'm like is this legit does this work and they're like well the money is legit the you keep most of the rights 
I can give you all the details of the contract because those are still confidential, but it was a very decent contract. So then I waited for the money to start coming in, which it did. So again, no red flags. And still I was, I was suspicious. I was like, how is this platform offering to pay me for my work? And yet they're giving to other people for free. How does that work? To this day, I don't know how that works. If one of your guests ever fucking explained to you how that works, I would, I would love to hear it. But at the time, I would not calm down on this. I would not be trust, trustful with my, with my editor. And it was only much later that I realized I was getting comments on those episodes of Undead Ed that they were posting. I didn't even notice the comment section. And then I saw the views. I saw the readership. I realized that some of my old readers had found it. And I was making new readers. And by the time Undead Ed was over, I realized this is my, my first comic. My first fully published comic that I made by myself, not under anybody's scrutiny, without telling anybody else's story, just from beginning to end, the way I wanted it. And that, that was a dream. That First was, of all, I was gobsmacked. Con- congrats. It is Thank incredible you. that not only did you achieve this once, you've done this three times now. You have Undead Ed, Apocalyptic Horseplay, and now Blacksmith. I guess one thing I wanted to ask about your work is there's a very distinct style and if you think about early webtoon there's a lot of artistic inspiration coming from east asia you Mm -hmm. can see that sort of style coming through webtoons mainly coming from manga and manhwa yeah Uh, as far as your artistic style goes how did you develop it you have such an interesting mix of inspirations it seems i'd love to learn more well that's uh that's essentially what it is it's a mix you know it's a mishmash of all my personal favorites uh, which, interestingly enough, did not include any manga, manuas or mangas at the time. I, I never read any at, at, at the time when I started doing Webtoon. So my influences at the time were uh, either American comic artists. Uh, Jonan Vasquez was a big one. Also some animators like Steven Silver and uh, Bruce Tim. I really loved their artworks and I was buying their art books like crazy. I really enjoyed their art style. Uh, the texturing of some comic artists like Mike Mignola really blew my mind when I was younger. I remember I studied it very hard. Uh, and originally, of course, a lot of uh, French comic artists that maybe you'll know from some of the work that they had adapted in English. I mean, there was Franquin, obviously, when I was a child, that was a very big one. Uh, some more contemporary, like uh, Boulet, uh, Fabrice Parme, that was a really big one. I'm not sure you're familiar with his work, but he was uh, one of the creators of this amazing cartoon, French cartoon, uh, called The Pirate Family, which heavily inspired Blacksmith. And, uh, and when I was a teenager, there was this man called Dav who would make uh, very uh, underrated comics. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think anybody uh, who speaks English ever heard of him, but he, he was a big inspiration for me too. So it was a mishmash, really. I was taking everything I liked about what they were doing, which I'm guessing is how everybody learns to draw. We start by copying and then we, we pick up some of the variations that we made and we call them, we call it, we call it our own stuff. And, uh, and yeah, the, the more, the more I get inspired by them, the more they become part of me. So these three stories that I just outlined, Undead Ed, uh, Apocalyptic Horseplay and Blacksmith. It's really funny because Undead Ed, it has some dark themes but it's ultimately like you said a four panel comedy really punchy very very fun to read 
And the other two stories are a bit more serious. Do you mind talking a little bit about how your writing style evolved? It's interesting because you also mentioned one of the pieces that you did before was a bit more serious with this ex-serial killer stuck in an asylum. So from a writing perspective and a story building perspective, how did your approach change over time? Um, I, I guess, I, I mean, uh, I, I never actually thought of it until someone pointed it out. But the way I approach stories is I, I usually write the stories that I want to read. And like most people, I'm guessing, I don't want to read the same stuff. You know, I, I, I get very... I, I change interests very often, which means that sometimes I would read a story that leaves me unsatisfied. And later I'll be like, well, maybe I should write a version of that story, but I'll fix it. And when I was very much into horror movies, I wrote The Ripper thinking, well, those horror movies are fun, but there's something missing. Like the character is not deep enough. I'll write one that's deeper. Then when I moved to Undead Ed, it was, uh, it was like, I like zombies, but people always do it the same way. Maybe I'll do a version where he's not actually a zombie. Maybe it is, he is, but he's, he's much more fun. I mean, that's, that's a fun concept. Someone who's dead and can't do anything about it and tries to keep going as if nothing's happened. I thought that was hilarious, but really that was just making me laugh. I wasn't trying to do anything too deep with it. Uh, with Apocalyptic Horseplay, that was a long time coming because the concept for that story I wrote back in 2012. Wow. Uh, because back then, I don't know if you remember, there was the big end of the world craze. Like yeah. everybody got obsessed about the Mayan calendar. And I wrote a comic about the four horsemen of the apocalypse that had been working towards that their whole life. And when they got to it, they're like, well, how do we end it? Like, how, how do we do this? And I designed those characters, the four horsemen, and I figured... Well, everybody always makes the four horsemen so evil and sinister. Maybe they're just maybe they're just guys, you know. Maybe they're just guys in an office office space trying to come up with ideas, and that's the way I, I wrote them originally. And when I came back to the concept much later after Undead Ed, I was thinking a much different thing. I was thinking, what if they don't want to end the world? What if that's just their job and they, they've been tasked with it? They're like, well, we don't want to do that. So what would they do with their time? Like they're still the horsemen. They still are physical manifestation of really really bad things but just because you know you're built that way doesn't make you bad so i wanted to tell that story too and then i i threw the antichrist in there to give the exact same idea like what if someone who's meant to do wrong doesn't want to and uh and as for blacksmith well that's also a long time coming because as i mentioned i watched a bunch of cartoons that were about pirates as a child uh, one of my favorite movies were uh peter pan uh, the Treasure Island, the Disney version from 1950. I had the tape in my, um, in my house. I love that movie. Uh, I watched it way before I read the books, but the books were amazing too. And then uh, I watched The Page Master when I was uh, very young. And I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but there's a very big sequence about pirates in the middle of it that I saw was amazing visually. So I said drawing pirates very, very early on. So the whole time, as I was growing up, I always had in the back of my head, I'm going to tell a pirate story someday as soon as I have a good idea for it. And, and that was not easy to come up with. So I just left it on the back burner for as long as I had to until something came up. And blacksmith is a concept that came up uh, right as I was uh, starting Apocalyptic Horseplay. Isn't, that the, isn't it just the worst when you start something new and then suddenly you have an idea for the next thing and just can't focus? So I had to put it on the back burner too, but I really, really wanted to tell that story too. And I, I'm really glad that uh, Webtoon agreed to publish that one as well because it's been a long time coming. 
What sort of support has Webtoon given you? I think one of the most fascinating things about your journey is you had these ideas that have been stewing and building in your brain for so long, built upon inspiration that you had as a kid, which I think is an element that a lot of young creators and artists have. So what what has it been like to work with Webtoon directly to bring these to life in a very, very prominent and strong way? Uh, well, at the very beginning, uh, my only uh, relationship with Webtoon was with my editor, David. He was the only person I talked to. Uh, and he was very friendly. He was, uh, he, he really understood what I was going for with Undead Ed. He really understood the jokes and he wasn't trying to stifle any of it. Like I was at the time very scared about all the adult and mature jokes. Like there was a lot of things that I thought wouldn't be accepted if I left them as is, but he understood. He understood that it was never meant to be shocking, just funny for an older audience, but still funny. And, uh, and he really like uh, reassured me on a lot of that. He really un- explained to me how the formatting was going to go because my comic at the time was a f- physical piece of paper with four panels on them, which I offered to split in a scroll format the way Webtoon had it. And he offered to make it into uh, a slide comic, which I haven't seen many other examples of besides Undead Ed, but basically you could see one panel at a time and just swipe it, which is four. A strip format is perfect. I was really, really into that format. I was really happy with the way they, they brought it to screen. And, uh, and after that, when we move on to Apocalyptic Horseplay, he also helped me very much into the production part of the process. We worked on the character design together. He helped me a lot with the Antichrist. He helped me with uh, some of the temp- thematics that I was going to uh spend some time with we we rewrote the ending a couple times he was unofficially my partner i think i can say that uh it's actually a shame that i never credited him i should have put his name at the end uh, at the very least i always thought if i print one of these comics i'll dedicate it to him but that hasn't happened yet uh and then uh by the end of apocalyptic horseplay he was promoted within the company i think he became a content director and he, he sadly didn't have any time for me anymore. So I lost my buddy. Uh, but then I, I, he was replaced by someone who's also very helpful. His name is Tyler. And uh, all they offered to do the whole time was never to censor what I was doing or to try to redirect my stories. It was really trying to help me achieve what I had in mind in the most efficiently, most efficient and uh, entertaining way possible. And I was really open to that the whole time. I'm, I can be a little difficult when it comes to criticism. I have an ego like everybody. You know, if you, if you poke at my mistakes a few, more time, a few times too many, I'll, I'll, I'll just shrink into my, into my shell. But if people really take me by the hand and, and show me which way I can go to improve, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that and run with it. So that was really what I appreciate the most uh, in those six years working with Webtoon. It was the the partnership that they offer to their their creators so it seems like most of their help was helping you refine and nail down the story hit the right beats come up with the structure as mm-hmm. opposed to drawing are you still doing a lot of the drawing inking color and uh kind of production yourself i am I am, and I'm still doing it traditionally, which is a big no-no. If you're an aspiring creator, do not do that. 
I learned it. I learned that way. I can't, I'm, I'm too old. I can't learn new tricks. I, I sketch my pages with a pencil. I ink with a marker. And then, and only then, will I scan my pages, go on Photoshop, give it a little bit of color, and splice them into a scroll format. This is the worst way to go about it. It is way more time consuming. It, it limits you in terms of the format that Webtoon offers. Um, it's bad for your back. <laughs> it's it's just the wrong way to go about it. I just I I've been I've been trying to cite myself into going full digital, and I still haven't. How long does it take you to produce a panel? And let's use a blacksmith panel, for instance, because those are quite long. Uh, I, I can't really answer that because I don't go by panels. I go by pages. That's the way I, I measure, I, the way I, I uh, split my time. So I'll do two pages a week, each page having about 10 panels each. So 20 panels per week. So uh, usually I don't work a full week. I work six days a week. And I'll, I'll pretty much, yeah, spend a couple, two to three days on each pages, uh, editing included, of course. And usually for the writing, I'll just, you know, splice that up into different parts of my week. It's not exactly something I do regularly. I should, but I don't. Mostly I just try to make the schedule fit just the production, not the writing. The writing is something I fit whenever, whenever the inspiration comes, that's when I write. I don't really like take some time aside for it. As we mentioned, getting three comics to be originals is a huge achievement. What advice or tips do you have for aspiring creators who are trying to become Webtoon original artists as well? Uh, but my, my advice would be the same that David gave me when I started. The first one was, of course, be regular. Like It doesn't have to be exactly the same uh, amount of panels that let's say uh, someone like me offers on a weekly basis or someone that is producing the average format on webtoon which is 40 40 panel a week that's that's very impressive but you really shouldn't be doing that if you're not making some money off it because that's your whole week you you should only do that if you're still living with your parents and you have the time to dedicate to that because if you want to make a living off it but you haven't yet found an editor for your work if you spend a whole week doing 40 panels, you will not have time for anything else. It is a full-time job, and anybody who tells you otherwise does underestimates what it represents to make a comic. So the advice is will be be regular, just that. Like set deadlines for yourself. Even if they're loose deadlines, any deadline will help. Uh, make a comic that you would want to read. That's it's simple, but some people just try to make what they think people want to read and not what they want to read. They try to match what they see and not what they like. And uh, sometimes it, it means you will do something that is not as good objectively that what you've seen. But if it's yours, if, it, if you're excited about it, it, it will it will come across. Really, it's it, it's what I think is the, the, the most endearing about a comic when you feel like the author gave it their 100 percent in terms of passion. And, uh, and the last thing, obviously, uh, is to use the format uh, 100%. Like, I've seen some people who post their comics the way I make them originally, which is a full page, not a scroll, just a full page at the time. And sadly, as big as smartphones are these days, it's still not very convenient to read that way. When I did web comics on DeviantArt, I did full, uh, post full pages, but I, I was assuming that people read on computers and I think back then they were. I mean, I certainly didn't have a smartphone in 2011, 2012 at the time when I was posting these. 
So I assume people would read on a computer or at very least a tablet. These days, smartphones are much more convenient to read on or Kindle. So you, you have to think within the format. It's, it's a limitation you can learn to actually love because it offers a lot of different storytelling tools. The, in the transitional scape, you can create a lot of very interesting things. Um, in terms of focus, like if you want a panel to have an impact on a screen this small, you have to think big. And sometimes that makes you more creative. Um, and in terms of the featured, like whatever I consider to be feature worthy, uh, it will be in terms of storytelling, which is, I know a little more, it's a little harder to explain, but at very least, if you know where you're going with your story, that's very good. I think that's what they expect of you. I, I've heard a lot of people from Webtoon that I've met since, people in the industry, editors, uh, tell me that what they would uh, focus on at the very beginning of a series is where do you think this is going? Where will it end? I personally never started a comic that I didn't know how I wanted to finish it, but I know some people work that way and that's fine. Sometimes the idea comes, you know, a little naked, a little incomplete, and you're excited about it more than you are about finishing it in your head. That's okay. That's fine. But you should give yourself some room to go uh, and with a bit of direction. It doesn't have to be uh, carved in stone. You can just come up with a loose idea of how this would end if you had to end it and change it along the way. Sometimes the characters will take you in another direction. That's always very exciting. But you should never com be completely clueless about where you're going with this. It shows. It's sometimes confusing. You will trip over your own ideas. And that's just, that's just a way of good creativity. So just do yourself a, say, a favor. Give yourself some direction. Just a way to go. And then you can always take a detour if that's what you feel like doing. Something that a lot of creators think about in today's very competitive webtoon world, as you know, there's so many people who are trying to create comics on canvas. It can be hard to get your story to stand out. What you, the story, the tips you've just given us are very helpful when it comes to story creation. Do you have any advice on building an audience or getting your stories in front of people so that people at Webtoon can notice them. I noticed one thing that you mentioned before was just how many different places you built an audience before you got noticed by Webtoon, but curious if you have any advice on that. Uh, no, that's, that's pretty much all I really did. I, I spread myself a little thin sometimes. I, I realized that not all platforms had my full attention. Some updates that I created were less than noticeable. Uh, but yeah, you, these days... People go in a lot of different places. Sometimes your audience, people who would be interested in your work, are not where you are. That's just the ways of the internet. And uh, you know you can find them. So you, you have to be willing to, do the ex to go the extra mile, to go places you don't usually go. Uh, try to you know, interact with them whenever you get comments on the platform. Don't, don't ignore those. Try to get people interested. Answer questions if they have any. And as for the Canvas platform, at least the way I experienced it, uh, you'll have also a lot of feedback from readers and you'll have a lot of engagement if you engage. So if your readers perceive you as the writer, they will look for you on social media, they will talk to you, they will follow your other works. Sometimes it's just that easy. Sometimes you just have to be the product, not your comics. That doesn't mean you should only do, be doing this by posting stuff about yourself. It just means that as a creator, you have more than one story to tell. At least most people do. So if the one thing you're doing is not panning out, 
make sure that people will find you next time you try something. If they like some aspect of your work, maybe they don't like the story, but they like the artwork. Maybe the story is catchy, but it's missing something. Uh, maybe they just, you know, like the way you tell jokes on top of the story. That's what happened with Undead Ed, I feel like. People just enjoy the jokes more than they actually cared about the characters, at least at first. So if they like your humor, chances are they'll like whatever you have to say on other social media platforms. And by the time you come up with your one in, once in a lifetime idea, the thing you're really passionate about, they'll, they'll be around, they'll be ready. And any advice around monetization? Obviously, things look different when you are a Webtoon original creator. You've had to deal with both sides of things. So if someone is just starting and thinking about how they can make some money off of their work, any tips or advice on how you've thought about that? Because I believe you've done a Patreon in the past as well. I, I have a, I have currently a Patreon. Uh, what I did originally was the wrong way to go about it, which is to set up an account on PayPal at the time and just throw the link around and expect people to just give gracefully, which some people do. That's what's amazing about the internet. If if people like what you, what you do, eventually they'll find a way to, to show that appreciation. But uh, I've had a much better experience on Patreon uh, not just because the platform is really well-crafted for that, but because there's this whole uh, culture around uh, rewarding your readers for their readership. Uh, you don't necessarily have to do a lot, but every little thing you do is um, creates, it will create some, some, some level of engagement that will eventually build up over time. So what I started doing was just commissions. That, that seemed like the simplest thing. I used to do freelance work. So whenever someone wanted me to draw something, I would you know, make a, a very sim simple take on their idea and offer it to them. Sometimes I would do videos about me drawing those commissions. Sometimes I would um, have a contest within my readers to whoever had the best idea for the story would have his, his idea inserted in the story. I remember there's a whole section of Undead Ed that was written by readers, I can't say which one, but I remember they had very, very good ideas on where the story should go, and I was very happy to include it, and not to give them any credit for it. <laughs> but, but later, when I had to, uh, let's say, make it a little more sustainable, uh, just because money became an issue after I got married, so what I did was um, start giving access to the process of my comics, so video tutorials, uh, original pages, that I would sell since I would, I would do traditional work. Sometimes I would offer whoever was interested to buy a, an original black and white page of the comic. Uh, later, some more uh, cheeky rewards like offering people to be a background character. That's always fun. You always have a scene where there's a lot of people in the background that you don't want to spend time designing. So why not just throw your readers in there? They'll send you pictures. They're, they're happy to do it. Uh, I would make uh, art books of my work that I would uh, sell uh sometimes give as reward sometimes sell and yeah a lot of other ideas have been suggested to me i haven't had time to get to them but uh there's a lot of different ways you can set up rewards for your readers through a crowdfunding uh platform like like patreon and have them be your your customers in some way now obviously it's easier when webtoon is also there uh, compensating you for your work but if you're get, just getting started and you want some kind of way to make a living off it maybe not a full-time job living but some way to compensate you for your work this is usually 
the most rewarding way to go about it. You, you'll learn what it is to dedicate yourself to your audience. As you think about the future, let's start with Webtoons themselves. You've seen such an evolution in the comic industry. What do you think the future holds for the industry? Well, I like to believe that the format itself is going to evolve. I don't know how, but I still think I was, I was saying a lot of good things about the format as it is, because I do think it's very interesting. But there are some things I like about paper comics that don't translate yet into the webtoon format. And I'm hoping that someday we're going to find some webtoon specific ways uh, to tell a story that haven't been thought of yet. And I, I have some ideas for that that wouldn't really work with the current way we consume comics. But I think that over time, it's going to become so much more enjoyable to read on smartphones that reading webtoons is going to be a completely different experience than reading comics. Because I still enjoy paper comics. I think it's a really fun way to go about reading a story. And the way webtoons is going to evolve, I think it's going to be its own thing. It's going to be, you liked reading comics and webtoons, but both are not the same. And that's all right. You said there are certain things about comics that you feel like don't quite carry over to webtoons. What are some of those elements or things where you read a paper comic and you're like, ah, I, I missed this. I wish this existed on my smartphone well, as well. Again, it's specific to me. I'm not saying objectively those are really better aspects of comic books. But what I really enjoy about uh, the comics I grew up reading is the fact that you can see the entirety of a scene and then focus on each panel individually. When you open a comic book, especially in France, the comic books are pretty big. I think they're much bigger uh, than the, the comics I've seen, at least in America. I think, you, I think you, in, in America, you'd call them graphic novels. They're really big books. When you open, then you dominate two full pages, sometimes with really wide landscapes. Whereas on Webtoon, when you have a nice landscape, sometimes you just gotta tilt your phone and just you know drag your eyes from left to right. That's not the same. It's not as immersive, at least not to me. Uh, sometimes two pages will be one big picture in a comic book. I love those. When you open two pages and it's like this left to right carryover that sometimes is as big as your face. You feel like you're almost like looking out a window. A, a, a phone screen is still too small to give you that impression. It's comparable, but it's not the same. Uh, then, of course, there's the narration tools. You know, sometimes you can have a character move from one panel to the other by going over the panel and into the next. That's a joke that a lot of uh, Franco-Belgian uh, comic artists like to do. There's a whole comic book that's dedicated to that called uh, Invincible in French Invincible. And it's about this character who can travel across his own comic. And people think he's a superhero when really he's just a comic book character who's self-aware. So he'll, he'll literally climb down from the top of the page into the bottom and people will think he just traveled through time. I mean, that, that's an hilarious concept. You can't have that in, in Webtoon. Not that you would want to necessarily, but I think it's a fun way to tell stories. And it's really paper specific. You can't do that in any other medium, at least not yet. But maybe in Webtoon, we're going to have animated panels on a more regular basis. That's already something that exists. And I think this is really cool. When you don't expect a drawing to move and it does, I mean, that's, that's, that's life just throwing in your face right there. That's amazing. So maybe something like that, maybe something that completely redefines your idea of comic book reading. And what do you think is in store for your future? You don't seem like someone that's short of ideas or inspiration. So what do you want to do in the future? Uh, well, in terms of story, uh, again, as soon as I said blacksmith, I had an idea for the next thing. We'll see if that works out. But yeah, I have a, a lot of other stories I want to tell. 
And uh, as you mentioned, they're, they're still going to be different. So I'm also interested to see if my readers stick with me throughout because Undead Ed and Apocalyptic Horseplay did take place in the same universe. It wasn't exactly intended as such at the beginning, but people were such a such fan of the characters and the world were compatible, so I just merged them. And that was really, really fun to do. But uh, Blacksmith is a whole different story in a whole different universes. And I, I'm wondering if over time my readers are going to stick with it, since it's not the same humor, not the same stories, not the same thematics, or if they're going to give to make way for a new batch of readers that I don't know yet. And if that's the case, then maybe my next series will also be widely different if I feel like that doesn't impact my readership at all. On the other hand, if people do like me for one thing, maybe I'll try that thing again. Who knows? Uh, I'm, I don't find that a really fun way to go about being creative, but if, if that's the way it goes, that's the way it goes. I think, I think the next few stories I have in mind will be closer to Ripper in terms of thematics. Maybe it'll be darker, still with a healthy bit of humor. I mean, I like to laugh, everybody likes to laugh, but I, I, might, I might go back to some darker thematics. That's super exciting. And to close things off, are you ready to go into our rapid fire round? I have five questions for you and we'll yeah. blaze through. First thing that pops into your mind, okay? Okay. So one, which fictional character best describes your personality? Uh, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. All right. I'm not as dirty, but I, but I am as unburdened by responsibility. (laughs) Which three webtoons would you take on a desert island? Lavender Jack. That's for sure. One of my favorites. I I really like Urban Animal. I think I would take that one, especially when it's over. And uh, which, which Creek Road? I don't know if you read that one, but I really, really enjoy that one. Nice take on the horror genre. All right. And if you could pick any manga, webtoon, comic creator that you would want to have dinner with, who would it be and why? Uh, again, it would be the creator of Lavender Jack. I think his name, his name is Dan, Dan Scotty. Uh, I really, really enjoy the way that man writes, and I would love to talk to him about it. What's your favorite scene from any webtoon that pops into your mind? uh the the theme the scene in uh witch creek road about the circle uh it's one of the first one it's not a spoiler to say it but it's a scene where a monster explained to a human they have to stay in a circle to be safe and the human gets out of the circle and bad things happen but you know what that's what happens in horror movie they just never follow the rules that's what's fun and then final question if you could have dinner with one fictional character who would it be it would have to be jack skellington because if he sings everything, we're going to have great conversations. You know what? It's going, to be, it's going to be a treat for the ears and the mouth. Wonderful. Well, Boardman, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us here today. Listener, you can read uh, Boardman's work on Webtoon and follow Boardman on various social flat- platforms. Once again, thanks for uh, being here with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any feedback or want to be featured as our next guest, please write to us at pixelsandpanelspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe, like, or give us a five-star rating. See you all next week.